Welcome to Herbal Explorations, a podcast hosted by Wilson Lau of New Herbs. Each week, we speak to leading experts about what's happening in the herbal industry. One of the things that, you know, talking about scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions is how can we as an industry share information data that's usable across the entire supply chain of a particular product? How do we sort of, in this infant stage, sort of share information that can be translated across systems? And is it the accounting uh, standardization that you're talking about earlier? Or what is sort of your thoughts on how we can get this data to talk to each other and be useful across the supply chain? Um, yeah, I mean, it's all about data flows and it's all about what you collect. Um, from an emissions standpoint, specifically, um, you know, really getting a good handle on understanding what data you need to collect that that helps you better understand your, your organizational carbon footprint. Um, one of the exercises that, that we did at the very beginning um, at uh, International Wineries for Climate Action, which is the nonprofit that I helped co-found with Jackson Family Wines. Um, one of the things that we did at the very beginning was um, we developed a, um, a carbon calculator that was calibrated specifically for wine, and it developed a standardized set of the emissions categories that you as a winery needed to calculate um, in order to really be able to put forth a, a comprehensive scope one through three carbon inventory. Um, and, you know, today, this this little nonprofit that we founded with uh, with Familia Torres, which is one of uh, Spain's leading family owned wine companies, they're a multi generation company, just like Jackson Family Wines was, is. And um, we now have 40 different members from 11 countries all across the globe. Um, we actually had a North Macedonian winery uh, just join us. So it's like we're truly global. We have representation from India. Um, uh, Australia, New Zealand, Chile, all over the place. Um, but but really kind of getting that sense of, okay, what is driving, you know, what is driving the, the carbon footprint of wine? So getting those data flows, um, tracking that information. It's really difficult. I mean, not really difficult, but it's more difficult in the early going if you've never done this before. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to have engagement from a lot of different departments to start kind of tracking a lot of that information. Um, getting down to not just spend data, but actual kind of um, physical usage data for things like natural gas or gas or propane or whatever. Um, but building that into um, an ERP program so that you're tracking your carbon footprint or your, your sustainability or your ESG dashboard uh, in line with how you track your organizational financials is really critical. So, you know, as I advise clients, you know, we look at how do you integrate teams of people from across the organization who all have, you know, quote unquote, skin in the game for sustainability. And a lot of those roads lead back to the controller. A lot of those roads lead back to, you know, the procurement team. Um, a lot of those roads lead back to operations and production and things like that. And increasingly, the role of the sustainability person within that organization is really kind of tying everything together and pulling everything together and really kind of making sure that everybody has the same set of, of standards for how they approach the work and everybody has the same target. Um, and then you're just you're leaning on you know, internal experts for various different aspects of, of the work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting that you mentioned a calculator. Uh, I won't name the company, but I have a friend who's um, 
executive at a company that produced a carbon emissions calculator. Mm-hmm. And it was online for their clients to use. And somehow, you know, a lot of people start using their carbon calculator. <laughs> and obviously, if it's not specific to your industry or specific to your use case, the the calculator has no the, – the numbers that come out don't make sense, <laughs> right? <laughs> if I was using your, your wine industry carbon calculator for the car industry – probably the results wouldn't be very good. <laughs> so that, that was that's sort of a funny aside. I was just thinking about that. I was like, you know, it's not so much sometimes the tool isn't good. It's that the, you're not using the tool properly. Yeah, it's misapplied, right? Yeah. yeah. And there's a proliferation now of kind of tools that exist for, you know, carbon measurement. Um, and, and also just on the ESG side, um, really, you know, working to help understand um and and to kind of measure your esg risk um and then to develop strategy around that um so there's there's a there's a ton of of opportunity i think for 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 companies to really start to to dive in a little deeper what are some tools and resources that company can use in their sustainability journey is there anything that you can point to whether it's the the new standard um accounting standard or any tools and resources as they embark on this journey or are on this journey, what are some things they can use or where can they look for more information to help them? Sure. So on the ESG front, what's interesting and what's happening is, you know, with the standardization of these global standards. Um, so this is like, you know, you may have heard of SASB, the Sustainable Accounting Standards Board, or TCFD, the, the Task Force on Financial Related Climate Disclosures. Um, they're all coming together right and so they we've got this standard now and what's happening um and it's already happening in europe is is companies publicly traded companies are being asked to disclose specific information um and you know that's starting to trickle down the supply chain to privately held companies that supply to publicly traded companies um and so you there's a whole host of kind of business reasons for why ESG reporting in particular makes good sense. Um, you know, first and foremost, as I mentioned, it really kind of helps integrate impact into your business model so that you're aligning your ESG risks and opportunities with your business planning process. Um, but it also helps deepen relationships with lending institutions who are increasingly using ESG scores as a, as a screen to measure financial like credit worthiness risk. Um, to suppliers that are starting or to customers that are starting to ask this kind of questions. And, and then ultimately things are starting to trickle down in the form of like eco labels um, that that really measure the, the ESG score of the company. Um, we have a, a strategic partnership um, with a really, really powerful tool called Impact IQ. Um, and this tool is a kind of an ESG compliance and intelligence tool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a reporting tool. It, it has a whole suite of kind of dashboards and, and scoring that effectively are derived from internal um, information that is uh, effectively auditable and audit ready. So what's interesting right now about a lot of um, ESG scores that you see for publicly traded companies that are like publicly available for, through like Sustainalytics or CSR Hub or some of these other larger um, aggregators of ESG scores, those scores are very subjective. They're effect- effectively based on what an analyst kind of scrapes from the internet, um, as opposed to kind of the new breed of, of tools and scoring is really looking from within the organization. 
So we do a deep dive with um, with senior leadership with the client, um, and we go through and they they answer a series of questionnaires that are effectively aligned to the ESG frameworks, um, and then we develop scoring from there. And all of that, you know, is is housed in one place. It's auditable. You can use it as a management tool. Um, so so we've seen that that the Impact IQ tool is a really really best in class tool for companies that want to kind of engage in transformational um, sustainability kind of through the ESG reporting and compliance lens. And, you know, the compliance piece is increasingly coming into play, particularly for larger companies where this is not a luxury anymore. It's increasingly a, a requirement. Um, so that's, you know, that's that's a great tool on the ESG side. We also um, we do carbon accounting um, and, and ultimately through a partnership that we have with Climate Neutral, which is a, a, a climate neutral sort of they have a certification program uh, where we do carbon accounting and then develop emissions reduction planning kind of along the, the net zero pathway line. Um, and we can help companies kind of uh, purchase um, verified carbon credits to essentially offset any of their unavoidable emissions. But, but really focusing on developing that emissions reduction plan first and foremost, so that you're taking measurable and tangible steps to reduce your carbon footprint rather than just buying offsets to, to buy your way out of it. Um, and then, you know, kind of more in line with what we do as an accounting firm is looking at some of the, you know, the ROI calculations around investments um, in sustainable infrastructure. Um, there's a ton that's come out from the, uh, the the recently passed Inflation Reduction Act, um, that that really could help proliferate the deployment of um, of zero and low carbon technologies. So um, a lot of opportunity in that front as well. That's great. Um, one of the things is how does this as a B Corp and I'm and I'm not sure how familiar with the B Corp certification process. Will these tools help you in that process, or B Corps is another set of tools that? Yeah play along with it, I guess. That's, that's a really great question. So we are, uh, SSF is a certified B Corp. We've been certified since 2018. Um, and we do have a B Corp consulting um, um, uh, service line as well. Um, uh, and what's interesting with Impact IQ in particular, the scoring for Impact IQ is very, very congruent with a company's B Corp score. So we put ourselves through it. We put a couple other clients that are certified B Corps through the process and the score that Impact IQ generates on the ESG side and kind of the, the affiliated uh, B Corp score um, are, are very much in alignment. Um, what's interesting about B Corp and the way that the scoring is moving is they're moving from kind of that, you know, the, the, the 200 point score to you have to have a minimum of 80 to be a B Corp to I think there's going to be 10 different areas where you have to have a minimum score across kind of 10 different um, different criteria so that um, and that's basically designed to address companies that have achieved the B Corp certification that score super high in one area, but really underperform in other areas. But on aggregate, they get above that 80 percentile. Um, and I think there have been some some high profile issues there. So B Corp is kind of changing their their structure to make it so that you have to meet a minimum performance criteria on a whole host, you know, of of issues that really align very closely with ESG frameworks. It, it no longer will allow people to be excellent stewards in one area and poor stewards in other. We have to be good stewards across the board, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think that's. 
B Corp is a fantastic certification. And I mean, the, the network of companies that are in the B Corp uh, environment or your ecosystem are just phenomenal. And you know, we go to B Corp champions every other year and it's just a, a great network. But at the end of the day, you have to understand that a certification, you know, there's a, there's a floor to every certification and there are, there are companies that will shoot for that floor. Um, where we really try to advise our clients is to understand what the various different frameworks are, to understand what the types of questions and disclosures that they're going to start to get look like, and then to build that impact into the business model so that it's substantiated and aligns with their business and their financial planning. And that they're always kind of moving in that upward direction um, is, is really critical and, and really kind of building it into the annual planning process, strategic planning and budgeting process. Like, Again, to the point of, you know, if you're having to make capital investments, you have to be thinking 20 years down the road. Yeah. I think, you know, as you said, all standards are a minimum requirement, right? No one sets a standard that no one can meet. There has to be, you know, companies have to meet it. And then, and then, you know, really great companies look to exceed it and blow it out the water. And I think that's one of the things that um, we see across all standards, whether it's food safety or B Corp or whatever it may be. Um, Julian, if a company is interested in exploring sustainability with you via assessment, benchmarking, financial planning, audit results, and all that you guys do over at San Ciba, um, San Filippo, how can they do so? Um, we've got a lot of information on our website, um, ssflp.com. Um, we're gonna we're going through a, a rebrand here in the next uh, next couple of months, so don't want to don't want to bury the lead there. But we're uh, we're getting gonna have some slick new uh, new content and whatnot. Um, but we've got a whole sustainability services page on the website at ssflp.com. Um, you can also just contact me directly, um, and and we can help you scope. One of the things that we're doing right now is we're offering complimentary um, ESG readiness assessments to clients. And it's a 30 to 60 minute time commitment for, you know, each each company who kind of is in the phase where they're trying to figure out what's the what's the next step for them to, to take on the sustainability of the ESG front. Um, we put we do a kind of an intake interview, the 30 minute intake interview. And then from there, we compile about a five page report that kind of outlines some of the key issues and topics and, and, and KPIs, non-financial sustainability KPIs that are coming down the pike for them as a company um, to really kind of help them understand what, what are some of the material issues that they need to be focusing on sustainability-wise? What are some of the disclosure requests that may be coming for them from financial partners, you know, customers, things like that? Um, and so, I, you know, this is something that that I'd be happy to offer to uh, to any of your uh, your listeners who want to take me up on it. Awesome! I awesome. highly recommend everyone take him up on it. I'm going to be one of the first people in line, if not the first person in line, to take you up on it. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on today's show and making that offer to the listeners. I uh, look forward to watching what you do in the future. I'm sure the listeners have learned a lot today um, from you joining us, and it's such refreshing to see. Uh, outsider's view into um, our herbal and botanical industry because on herbal explorations, we really just focus primarily on botanicals and the business of botanicals. So 
having you know this framework which we are part of and learning more about the bigger framework was a real pleasure today julian well thank you wilson again for having me and um i really enjoyed the conversation so we'll keep it moving Thanks for listening. To learn more about the business of herbs and botanicals, visit newherbs.com. To keep listening to great episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, or Spotify, and make sure to give us a rating too. 